What? Did you actually enjoy it? What? The Probably. cabin? Mm. Uh, I mean, for the most part, other than half the people leaving, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And not really having anything to do. <laughs> That's sort of disappointing. I didn't mind that. I didn't think mm. that I would be doing much. Yeah, I guess. I never go on the water when you guys go anyways. I just sort of chill. It got even yeah, worse when you guys left. As soon as we left and started reading? Maybe like 20 minutes later, half an hour later. Damn. Yeah, but the fire survived. That's good. Dude, we had that had fire a good time going. Night too. We had that fire going all night. Good stuff. Yeah. Aside from my legs getting destroyed, it was great. <laughs> yeah, the bugs were pretty bad too. Yeah. Yeah, they were rough, man. It's like that every night though. I was playing softball last night and they were just killing me. So it's crazy. It's tough. I had um Vic and I counted. I had like 80 or 85, somewhere around there. Like, bites between my two legs alone. What's going on, everybody? And finally, welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran, and on the line, the Iceman himself, just living in constant hail, it seems like, in Ottawa. Josh Cohen, how you doing? Yeah, climate change is real, isn't it? We're in the dead of summer, and there's hail coming down. It's probably going to snow soon. It's been a crazy couple months. Dude, it's the beginning of August. It's so wild. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be summer in the winter. I mean, that would kind of be the hope, just generally more temperate year-round, not just massive like extremes. Yeah, then again, if that happens, though, I think we have to start really worrying. If we get up to like 20 degrees in a you know, December night, that would not be great. No. Imagine a, <laughs> like a non-winter Christmas, though. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. But it's also, you know, a prerequisite to, you know, eventually the world burning. So, yeah. Yeah. Great. And like you'd have to have snow tires on all year because you never know when it's actually going to not snow. Yeah, that's true. For, I mean, I have my all seasons on all year, so usually anyway. You use all now. seasons during the winter? I have, yes. Nuts, I'm one man. of those crazy people. And Don't do extremely it. Extremely cheap people, but uh, this year I actually bought winter tires because they were half off due to a Costco error, so. Good. You know, had to spend. Dude, you're in Ottawa, yeah. man. You can't be riding around in all seasons during the winter. Yeah, I survived so far. It just shows how good of a driver I am, right? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We're not going there. Um, all right, so it's been a few weeks since we've done this, literally since we were just talking about it before, like, we went to that cottage, uh, and to be honest, not much has happened. We've had a couple of, M- or not Embiid, Harden and Damian Lillard rumors, as usual, another Pascal Siakam rumor, which is just getting a little bit more traction as the days go on, so that'll be interesting to see, like, how that plays out. Do, hold on, just quickly, do you think Pascal's gonna be a Raptor by trade deadline? Just yes or no? I'm going to go with no. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like it, eh? I'm going to say they keep him, though. That's my guy. I love Spicy. Really, people. eh? I love Pascal. What's not to like? No, I like him, too. It's just based on their roster situation, <clears throat> it's going to be really hard to keep both him and OG. Yeah. Between between him, OG, and Scotty Barnes, who obviously they're going to build the team around in the future, someone's got to go. And uh, we already heard that the, the asking price for OG was astronomical at the last trade. Deadline. As it should be. As it should be. It should not be astronomical, but okay. 
I mean, he's the perfect archetype of like what all the teams are looking for, right? He is that guy. He is a 3 and D wing that can pretty much play or defend any position. And he does all the things on offense that you require. And he can play 40 minutes in a playoff game. So they should be asking for a lot. Five draft picks a lot? Or four? Yeah. I mean, you might as well ask and then get down to three, right? <laughs> I mean, that's sure. That's a good negotiation tactic, I guess. Uh, anyways, Absolutely. aside from all that, we we have uh, FIBA friendlies going on. We have the World Cup at the end of the at the end of the month. Sorry, so that'll be fun. Get to see our guy Shea Gildas Alexander in action and Lou Dort carrying Team Canada along with Nikhil Alexander Walker. That was cool. Yeah, I mean Lou Dort consistently, you know, brings his team up in these massive games, like in the playoffs. He couldn't shoot the regular season a couple of years ago, and then he was shooting like 40% from three and, you know, shutting down James Harden in the playoffs. So Lou Dort is legit, even though he has a massive contract. But, you know, come playoff time, we need dudes like that. Apparently. A massive contract, to say the least. Anyways, all that aside, uh, let's just look forward into the year. So there's been a lot of movement this offseason. And I want to know who you, like, what team do you think is just going to make, like, a nice jump? Maybe not, like, the biggest jump. Maybe not anything, like, insane. But who's just going to, like, take a step forward? Get to the next tier. Well, I mean, we've already talked about the team led by Lou Dort, so we might as well get into it. I think the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to be what Phoenix was a couple of years ago where they just made that massive jump, and I think they're going to be a top four seed in the Western Conference this upcoming season. Whoa, top four. <laughs> top four, because they have the core now, they have their four guys, and they have a lot of depth around them. Like, that's what you need come regular season time, right? Like, you need guys that are able to step into specific roles and play larger amounts of minutes when your stars get injured or out for a few games or a few weeks at a time. And I think they have a really deep roster. Um, just going over it, I mean, their starting lineup is Shea, um, you know, Giddy going into year three, which is when a lot of players make their jump. Um, Jalen Williams going into year two after a really good rookie season. And then you have Dort probably playing the four now, which should be interesting because he has the body type for it. And, you know, the four now isn't what it used to be, obviously, with guys like Kevin Garnett and Tim Duncan playing that position. It's not like that anymore, right? You get guys that are six seven to six nine usually. And he's six foot four, six foot five, but he has a type of body like PJ Tucker, for example, um, that is able to be able to push guys out and defend the perimeter, obviously, because he's very good at that. And then you have Chet coming back and, you know, playing his first season in the NBA. And I think he's going to be really good. Um, it's obviously a little bit of a worry if he's injured because he's probably the key to all this if he actually plays because he's essentially like the perfect five for this team that plays a really weird style of offense with Shea at the helm, um, running a lot of guard, guard pick and roll and such. Um, but he's able to obviously play behind the three-point line and stretch the floor. And then obviously he's going to be one of the best shot blockers in the NBA this upcoming season. And I like their bench. Their bench is young and it's with a lot of guys that can play into the type of style that they want to play with a lot of drive and kick and guys that can play on ball or off ball. It's just, they got to figure out who is going to be playing um, in the guard position off the bench, which should be interesting coming up. It's like a small little subplot with their season coming up. So you're going to have Shea, obviously, starting. And who else did you say? Jalen Williams? Small Jalen Williams? Yeah, 
Jalen, then you got Giddy, Giddy. obviously. And I think Dort obviously is going to be at the four because you need a guy that can defend the other team's best player, and then Chet's obviously going to start at the five. So then after that, you have other Jalen Williams coming off the bench like he did last year. Isaiah Joe, Trey Mann, I'm assuming, is going to be brought back. Oladipo is there. Yeah, that's there. the thing. Like, this team has a big roster crunch because they have, I think, 20 players in the roster right now. And yeah. the guys at the end of the roster are guys that were first and second year players, uh, like Ty Ty Washington. He got traded there. Um, Usman Garuba. Like these guys, maybe they find a spot in a different team, but these are like interesting young players and they're probably not going to get a chance with Oklahoma. But, um, you know, they make these trades to find these guys and try them out in training camp. And they're going to have to make at least like three to five cuts of the guys at the end of the bench, obviously. Yeah, they have 20 guys on roster. Holy crap, that's crazy. That's genius. I don't know why more teams don't do that. Just uh, like stockpile a bunch of young guys in the in the summer and then bring them into training camp and see what happens. Well, they've had the picks for it and they use those now, but it's like, are these guys even going to be in the roster come, you know, um, start of the regular season now? I mean, they're probably going to cut Victor Oladipo because he's injured and he's not going to play this year. And yeah. then guys like Aruba and Ty Ty Washington might be the next to go. Jack White from Denver is now on this team too. So. Hey, 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 world champion Jack White. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Championship Apologies. pedigree Jack White apparently. <laughs> but even a guy like, you know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who actually played a lot of minutes for this team uh, two years ago, not so much last year. He had a pretty good rookie season. Um, and he might be one of the guys to get cut too. I think Trey Mann's probably going to be safe, but... He might potentially get cut. I think Isaiah Joe is very safe. He's going to be a rotation player for this team. I think he's going to be the one constant off the bench. But I'm very interested to see what happens with their point guard position because obviously they just drafted, um, who was it? It was the 11th pick in the draft, I believe. It was Kaysen Wallace. He had a really good summer league. And then they brought over Micic, who's like the best player in Europe. And he's also a lead guard coming off the bench. So they might just play those guys together, I suppose. And then Trey Mann is the odd man out. And Aaron Wiggins is still on the roster, too. He's showed flashes. Poku, I don't think he's going to play that much. I don't think he's going to get cut either. There, But, you know, he's still a project, <laughs> obviously. But they just have a lot of dudes. Man, they should have just let Poku like, cook during Summer League. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't play. He must have been still been injured, I guess. He had a knee injury last year, so maybe that was it. Uh I don't. I don't know. I don't trust it. You know how big of a proponent I am for summer guys going into summer league and just cooking people, young guys especially. No, for sure. And he actually showed flashes last year. Like when he played yeah. the five, he was actually pretty good. He had that game against Boston where he went like twenty and ten, had like four blocks. So <laughs> yeah. even so though he's game, like a string bean, that game <laughs> elevated his fantasy like value so much. And then after that, it just like bottomed out again. <laughs> Yeah, he's very inconsistent and not trustworthy, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I think the constants off the bench are going to be Michic and um, Jalen Williams, the other Jalen Williams, the center version Jalen Williams. Um, and after that, I think it's just going to depend on the matchup a lot of the time. I think they're going to have a constantly um, rotating rotation, right? Like, it's not going to be the same guys every night. Uh, where were they last year? What position? They were they were in the the play-in, right? Or did they make the playoffs? I don't remember. Play-in. Uh, yeah, it was a play-in. They lost to Minnesota, I believe, right? Uh, Yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they beat New Orleans in the first play-in game and then lost to Minnesota in the second. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, 
On the other side of things, they had a very healthy year, obviously. I think uh, Giddy played 75 games. SGA played 68. Um, but there was a lot of time throughout the season where, you know, SGA was sitting out these random injuries too, which I thought they were still trying to tank. And yet they won 41 games with a roster that really wasn't complete. And then this year you're bringing in, you know, essentially a free agent in Chet Holmgren, right? You're bringing in a new guy that hasn't played on the roster yet who's going to make a big impact. And you would hope that he plays at least 60 games. And if he does that, they're going to be very interesting. And then you still have Kenrich Williams, who didn't play in the second half of the year, and he was playing center for them. He was starting for them before he got injured. <laughs> Yo, so, that's wild. That's another interesting look, though. Like oh. They actually look pretty good with him at center, too. So not only playing Jalen Williams at center, potentially, but playing him and actually you know spacing the floor a little bit. It's going to be interesting to see. But obviously, they're going to have a lot of roster uh, construction potential issues coming up since four guys may potentially get the max in the next four years. So they're going to have to figure out that. And a lot of people think that Giddy's going to be the odd man out, but they can get creative and probably have to move Dort at that point and figure out some other stuff to make it all work. How tall do you think Kendrick Williams is? Mm, six foot seven. Six, six. My yeah. man was just channeling his inner Bruce Brown and diving straight to the net a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's a he's a really good glue player. I think he might be the next Nick Collison for this team, honestly. Yeah, well, except he bounced around a bit. But yes, I like I like what you're saying. Just that guy who's gonna be with the organization forever, kind of guy for life. Yeah, kind of like uh, Udonis Haslam. Your Shasta Udonis just retired. Oh wow! Look at that! Yeah. Finally, after thirty years, he finally retired. <laughs> thirty, yo, <laughs> same draft class as LeBron and D Wade. And our boy Darko Milicic. But undrafted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. He's undrafted. I mean, he's made a good career for himself. I'm surprised that nobody traded for him at the trade deadline the last couple of years because he seems like a guy that can play 20 plus minutes in a playoff game. UD? No, no, Kenrich. Sorry. Oh, I was going back to Kenrich. I was making, bringing this full circle. UD, maybe not so much, but he had a good last game of the season, so who knows? Yo, man, UD does it for the fans. You know, UD was nice back in the day. He was a great defensive player, and that, you know, 17-footer was money. Yup. All right. I, all right. I like your idea with OKC getting forward. Obviously, I don't like four, like top four seed. That's a little much, I think. But uh... eh, you said the same thing about Phoenix a couple of years. We get a scene of the future here. This team is deep. They're young. They're exciting. And they're going to play a style that nobody wants to play against, right? They're going to be running up and down the floor. Shea is going to be a pain in the ass getting the line 15 times a game. And, you know, their young guys are only going to get better. So they won 41 games that last year, right? With a pretty limited roster. Why can't they get the 50? But a healthy roster, which we know in the NBA doesn't happen very often. Yeah, this That's is true. Key. I mean, you can say the same thing about a team like Sacramento, too. Like, they're the healthiest team all year. And everyone's now expecting big things from them in this upcoming season. And who knows nah. if the health situation is going to be the same. Nah, man. Sacramento's peaked for now. Second seed? Come on, man. They're not going to get better than a second seed. Or third, sorry. Third yeah. seed. Yeah, it all depends on health, obviously. There's a lot of teams in the Western Conference that rely on their veterans, and a lot of these guys don't play. But hopefully with the whole new system with, um, you know, awarding guys that play 65 games, um, being able to get on the all-NBA teams now, like, maybe that'll help a little bit. Well, that'll help our boy Shea. That's for damn sure. Yeah. No, for sure. They're not going to be resting them this year because they're going to be trying to make the playoffs now. 
That'd be crazy. Top four, man. The glory days for OKC, they might be back. Unlikely, so. but they might be back. Um, I, think it, I think it's time. I don't know. I, I think they'll be a playoff team, but maybe not top four. Yo, the West is tough, man. Top four yeah, is the a West lot. is definitely tough, but they have a ton of talent, and yeah, I just like the way that they play. Like but, the way that they play every single night is not going to. They have an identity which a lot of teams in the West don't have, yeah. and they have stars who actually play games, unlike teams like the Clippers. So <laughs> if I'm choosing between Oklahoma and the Clippers as to who's going to win more games next year, I'm choosing Oklahoma. Yeah, have you? Uh, since you brought up the Clippers, have you listened to this Paul George podcast? It's pretty good. Uh, with Clay Thompson, yeah, or just in general, as a as an interviewer type of person, or just someone to talk to, he's pretty good. I like. I the, didn't like the first couple I listened to, so I stopped listening, and then I listened to one with Cat, and it was actually pretty decent. So I'm gonna listen to one with Clay, and oh. then you know I might continue. We'll see. I'm uh, I'm very selective with who I listen to. Like I didn't listen to the one with Cat or with uh, Draymond for obvious reasons. Yeah, Draymond. Yeah, yeah. No but point. the one with Demar was really good. There was one with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., which I thought was like pretty entertaining. The Clay Thompson one is amazing because it's Clay Thompson, and like just listening to the guy talk to anybody is great. Yeah, he's like pure surfer, bro. Yeah, is there anyone with a higher approval ranking in the league than Clay Thompson? Unlikely. I don't think so. By players, maybe Udonis Haslam. Yeah, maybe. But UD is like a OG vet, though. You know, it's not the same as like a contemporary <laughs> player who's still putting buckets on people yeah i guess maybe Giannis. i don't know yeah i don't know Giannis gets that like uh he's european thing <laughs> yeah, he's, he's greek or nigerian or whatever he <laughs> what is a, now he's not one of us is all i know he didn't play aau ball <laughs> <laughs> that's true see that's the same way Jokic doesn't get the same love you know i mean he is now and, you know, hopefully he stays healthy this upcoming season and has another MVP year. Should be th- four in a row in this upcoming year. Yeah, should it's not going to happen, man. He's yeah. done getting his MVPs. LeBron should have more than, like, how many does LeBron have? Two or three? Whatever he has, he yeah, should have more. Many. So 100%. You know how MVP voting goes. Um, Let's switch. Let's switch this up since we're talking about EuroLeague players or European players. I want to talk about the Orlando Magic. In my transition to this, Josh, do you did you realize that Anthony Parker is now the GM of the Orlando Magic? Anthony Parker, former EuroLeague MVP who went to the Toronto Raptors the year after? Yeah, funny enough, I was actually watching some Summer League highlights and he was a part of one of the clips. Where, like, I was watching player highlights. I was watching Anthony Black's highlights from Orlando, uh-huh. and then they had Anthony Parker on while you know Anthony Black is scoring a layup or whatever. Yeah, they're yeah. Describing him as the GM, I'm like, oh, okay, this Anthony Parker, he's yeah. back now. Good for him. Good for Anthony Parker, for man. If you're a yeah. a Toronto Raptors fan, circa 2000 and what 2006 to 2009. Yeah, around there. It was like him and Garbo. Like, those guys were, like, cool. such good vets, and, you know, they played so well together. And Parker's shot was nice, too. Parker had a really nice shot. Garbo was, like, Garbo was sick for what he was, but, you know, career-ending injury and all. Yeah, the fact that he was still smoking cigarettes in the locker room in the NBA <laughs> was pretty cool. Yeah. Yo, the fact that <laughs> it was during the time that you could still smoke indoors. How about that? 
I think he would still do it anyway, even now. <laughs> He's just like hanging out in the hallway, just lighting a pack up or lack, or just lighting them up. I like oh, yeah, it. He's got those Marlboros. I like it, man. Anyways, this Orlando Magic team. The main reason I want to talk about them is because they're being led by two guys who are playing international hoops right now. I'm talking about Paolo Bencaro and Franz Wagner, who took down the Canadian team yesterday, unfortunately. But just those two alone, right? Solid young core. You got those two. You got Suggs. You got Cole Anthony out there. Obviously, the other Wagner brother. And two rookies that, like, everyone is really high on between Anthony Black and Jet Howard. This team, I think, is just, like, coming together. They brought in Joe Harris. Or, uh, Joe Harris. Joe Ingles. My bad. Not Joe. Joe Ingles is way better than Joe Harris. But between Joe Ingles and Gary Harris... I like the good veteran leadership on this team. I like the way Ben Carroll is developing. And, you know, the fact that he's playing international ball sort of just... It tends to help guys with, like, their development and their leadership styles, which is obviously what they're going to need on this team. Just everything's coming together, man. I'm, I'm very high on this team this upcoming year. They're going to be fast. They're strong. Woo! Bring me a play-in game, guarantee. I will actually play devil's advocate on this one because Disrespect. they have too many guards on this team. They have to figure out what they're doing with their point guard position, especially like they have Markel Fultz. They got Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, and now they're bringing in Anthony Black. Like where are all the minutes going to go? You're playing these guys together now, and then they're going to be a super small backcourt. It just seems like their roster construction is a bit odd. They have a lot of really long six foot nine guys including a guy like, you know, Jonathan Isaac still on this team. No, 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 Jonathan, no, no don't, do not include Jonathan Isaac in anything, okay? Come on. Yeah, no. He's just writing books nowadays. Yeah, um, he's going to be pushed out of the league so fast, the way, same way Spencer Hawes was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would not be surprised at that. But uh, <laughs> I mean, the, their guard situation is just weird. Like, I thought they would just, you know, get rid of the glut of guards that they had and make a trade maybe for a first-round pick, maybe trade away Jalen Suggs or, you know, Cole Anthony's extensions coming up soon. So what are they going to do with him coming off a pretty good season? But they just have too many guys, and which guy is going to be left out of the rotation? Because you can't, like, Jalen Suggs had a really good defensive year last year. His offense is still a bit further behind. Um, you know, like I said, Cole Anthony played really well off the bench last year, being a scorer off the bench, and then you got Anthony Black, and as a young team, you want to develop the rookies, obviously. So I just don't know where they're going with that. But obviously their core is pretty nice with Paolo and Franz. I just think they're at least a year away from like figuring out truly who they are. Man, you're, re- you're really raining on my parade here. I was like all high on your OKC pick. I thought I was getting a little bit more support and just trying to shit on my guys in, or in Orlando here, man. I mean, they're somewhat similar in terms of the young core. It just I feel like the Oklahoma City Thunders core fits better together. Um, where there's defined roles, defined positions, and then off the bench, you know, their rotation makes more sense versus, you know, Orlando's where a lot of these guys need the ball. And ideally, you want to have the ball in Paolo and Franz's hands as much as possible. And then Markel Fultz, when he came back last year, their team really took off and they were actually above 500 team with him in the lineup. So he has an extension coming up as well, right? Like you have to decide what you're going to do with him. They're going to bring him back. yeah, but then what are you going to do with the point guard position, right? Are you going to trade Suggs and Cole Anthony? Because all these guys can't get 24-plus minutes a game, and most of these guys want to play 30-plus. So I, you're going to have to figure that out. I think that's going to end up revolving around Fultz and Suggs as their primary guards. 
as like a, as their main backcourt, and Cole Anthony just continues to be that like gunner off the bench because dude cannot play defense for LA. Yeah, I guess so. But then you're playing Cole Anthony at the two, um, coming off the bench, yeah. and then you got Jet Howard, who is a guard, shooting guard, coming off the bench, and you want True. to develop him too. And then where's the minutes coming from there? And then yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the backup big positions, I think they're okay with because again, potentially you have Jonathan Isaac, and then you know Mo Wagner was okay last year, obviously. So you have some depth there, I suppose. But uh, yeah, just the guard and forward positions, there's a glut there that they have to really figure out and probably make some trades and figure out what they're going to do going forward. Uh, man, I don't like this. Don't do you like think this. they're going to be a playoff team? I think they'll be in the play-in. I mean, I could definitely see it. <laughs> I mean, based play-in on is what like they they're not bottom five in the conference. <laughs> that doesn't mean much. Yeah, no, for sure. I can definitely see them taking a step up and like being at around thirty-six to thirty-eight wins potentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they were a team that was rumored for Fed Van Vliet. I think that's the type of trade they need to make. In that they need to trade maybe two of their young guards or a young guard and one of their forwards for a more established um, player, whether that's a point guard or potentially a big. I feel like they need more uh, like wing depth. Because realistically, at that 3-4 position right now, we're, or maybe even 2-4, to four, whatever. On the wings, you basically have Gary Harris, Paolo Bencaro, Joe Ingles, if you want to count him as like a still, you know, functional player. And what, Franz? That's sort of it, right? There's no one else to really, like, eat and up real minutes. And if Isaac plays. And if Isaac plays. Isaac's not going to play. Between, you know, being run out of the league and being in... Uh, like an injury-prone player, which is obviously not his fault. I, I mean, like, I don't think he's going to get many minutes or he'll be healthy enough to get many minutes. It's too bad, too, because when he did play before his injuries, he was really, really good. Like, he was Kirilenko-level defense good, and his offense was starting to come around. He was giving Pascal Siakam, like, problems in the playoffs. He couldn't get by him. So it's just too bad that injuries derailed his career, and then he decided to be on Fox News. That was before Pascal Siakam got that spin move, man. Once he figured out that spin move, like everything changed for Pascal. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but yeah, even like Joe Ingles, though, like he looked pretty washed last year. So I'm not a big fan of their bench overall, just because of fit and then overall talent. I'm not really sure. There's a lot there. I'm high, man. I believe in Ben Caro and Suggs. The combination between the two of them, I think, is really nice. And I just Bogner. want to see if they play Paolo at center coming up this season you know, as part of the bench unit. Because he actually looked really good in the minutes that he played in the um, international game recently, a couple of days ago, playing center. And, you know, he was actually moving the ball really well, which is something that he just did not do in his regular you know, rookie season, obviously, because most rookies that are his archetype of player don't really pass the ball Get too buckets, often, but, man. Get buckets. Yeah. I don't blame him. Yeah, hell yeah. No, man, forget you. I'm high on this Orlando team. And I didn't even mention Wendell Carter Jr., who apparently is our highest paid player this year. Wow. Or wait, <laughs> no, crazy. sorry. Uh, oh, wait, he is. He is actually their highest guaranteed money. That's hilarious. At $15 million? 13 <laughs> Wow. His contract goes down every year. What a genius way to manage that contract, man. I mean, this next year is going to be huge for them and only having that type of contract on the books, right? Like, they don't have a massive contract in the books until their rookie guys eventually get extended. So they can really morph their team into whatever they see them as. They just have to 
figure out what they want to put around those two guys. No, nah, man, they got a young core. They got a strong young core between Fultz, Wagner, Suggs, Bencaro, Carter. That's a decent starting five. I'm just saying. Yeah, but... It's not I incredible. Mean, Gary, Gary Harris is going to start, though, right? Ahead of who? Fultz? Suggs. Suggs? Eh. Suggs didn't start last year. He's more of a point guard, right? Yeah, that's true. Okay, fine. I'm okay with that. Gary Harris can still hit shots from time to time. Yeah. Not often, but time to time. I, I think they're going to make a ve- like a big move for you know a veteran star eventually. I'm not sure who that's going to be. Like They're rumored for Pascal Siakam, which didn't make any sense to me because they already have two guys at that position. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think ultimately, I think the shooting guard position or the point guard position that they really want to upgrade, that's going to be their choice. That's going to be where all the money is going to be going in the next year or so. They're going to find somebody to take that role. I mean... Donovan Mitchell, potentially, right? Like, a lot of people are talking about him potentially leaving Cleveland, and Orlando was rumored for him before, so that makes Ooh. a lot of sense to me. Ooh, Donovan Mitchell, come on down. I'd take that. <laughs> be a nice fit. Yeah, he wouldn't be bad at all. He'd still be small, but goddamn, if you can get Donovan Mitchell on your team, we saw what he could do with carrying an offense on his own last year, basically, in Cleveland. No doubt. And fits in seamlessly. Couple of bigs on this team, just like a couple of bigs in Cleveland. Not the same kind of bigs. There's even more floor space in here. No, for sure. I hope he stays in Cleveland, though. I hope he doesn't just, you know, stay there for a season or two and then demands a trade because they have a better core than Orlando right now, in my opinion. Well, yeah, obviously. Evan Mobley is, like, what, a top 10 young guy in the league? Maybe. Maybe. Top 15 young guy in the league? Jared Allen is an all star last year, somehow. Come on, man. There's so much hype behind uh, Evan Mobley, but, you know, that's a conversation for Oh, are you off the Mobley train? Wow. I'm not off the Mobley train. It's just he has so much hype around him, and what did he do in the playoffs? Like, he didn't show any offensive chops. Obviously, he's a really good defensive player, but he's got a long way to go on offense. Like, he was compared to Bosch going into the, you know, into his rookie year. He was compared to KG halfway through his rookie year. Come on. (laughs) That's nuts. (laughs) <laughs> like ideally you want him to become like Jaron Jackson Jr., right? Eventually. I mean Jaron Jackson Jr. is very nice on offense though. Like Yeah, very but it took nice. time to get to that role, right? Like two years ago he was not like that. I mean he always had like a a strong inside game. This is more like well rounded now. Yeah, he's got more of a dribble drive game now and he can post up smaller guys and Mobley doesn't have either right now. He doesn't even have the shot yet, so it's going to take him time. No, his shot is rough. Rough. But that's what the offseasons are for, man. I'm sure he's working. He seems like a working kind of guy. I mean, he's going to be the key to whether Mitchell stays or not, I think. Because if he actually takes a step up this year and they make the second round, potentially, I think Mitchell stays. But if they don't, then I can see him moving on. You know who's not the key to him staying is uh, Ricky Rubio. Oh. Yeah. That's uh, too bad that he's uh, going through some stuff right now and having to take a step away, but hopefully he comes back, you know, somewhat of, you know, what he was a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. is able to stay in the league and get back. Yeah, shout to Ricky Rubio, man. Young Ricky Rubio was sick. I always enjoy watching, especially international play. He was amazing. Yep. All right, let's hit up some stats corner. All right, so for Stats Corner this week, uh, we are going to be talking about uh, crunch time, the clutch. 
Oh. So we're going to go into the most efficient high volume clutch season since 1997. We'll see how many of these you get right away. <laughs> this is really going to test your chops. And then Holy. the least efficient. So I'll give you hints because these are going to be pretty difficult to get, obviously, thinking back to those seasons back then. Mm-hmm. So we will start with, let's go with the 2002 season. This player was on Boston. Boston? Antoine? Yes. Bang. Surprisingly. He had 99 clutch field goal attempts and shot 52% in terms of true shooting percentage. Let's go, man. So effective field goal percentage. Ooh, that's why Antoine got paid. Absolutely. Pretty surprising that it's Antoine instead of Pierce, though. And, uh, hold on, hold know. on, hold on. Pierce may have been a better player consistently throughout his career, but at their peaks, I would have taken Antoine Walker. Like, at like at top level, I'd take Antoine mm. That's a pretty hot take right there. <laughs> Yo, Antoine won a four-point line, bro. He called for it That's in true. like 2005 before anyone else even thought of it. And yet he was shooting like 28% from three. It doesn't matter. <laughs> imagine, what he shoot, imagine what he would have shot from four, like 10%. 40%. You ever think of that? <laughs> you know, this is actually not in order, so I'm actually going to start from the top. Can you sure. guess the most efficient high-volume clutch season since 1997? Who owns that season? Was it Kobe? It was not, but you're in the right thinking Jordan? space. Jordan? Nope. You're still in the right thinking space. LeBron? LeBron, 61% yeah. effective field goal percentage in the year 2018. And his team was 30-15 and 15 on the Cavs. Uh, Wait, the second had, player... Hold on. They had 45 positions or like games where they were in clutch positions. Apparently, yeah. Oh my god, that's a lot. Pretty for, crazy. For a team that went to the finals, man, that's a lot of clutch possessions. Pretty nuts. Um, this one, I'm not going to give you too many hints, and we'll see if you can get it. The 2017 season, I believe this is the year the team went to the conference finals, and they've only been there one time. Uh, it's a Western Conference team. Dame. And in the right realm. CJ? McCollum? CJ McCollum, 60.3 effective field goal percentage. And the team was 22 and 23. So. <laughs> I mean, that's not great. He was clutch, but didn't help that much, I guess. I mean, just because he hit shots doesn't mean they get stops on that team. That is true. Between Alfaruk uh, Aminu and uh, what was his other name? Mo Harkless. Mo Manning Harkless, yeah. There. They're two wing guys who they just never upgraded from. <laughs> it's true. Uh, the next guy's going to be a lot tougher. 1997, Houston Rockets. Uh, 97? Hakeem? I'll give you two guesses, and then I'll give you the position. Was it Hakeem? Oh, there you go. Hakeem oh, Elijah won. 57.5%. Yeah. 28-12. That's right. It's because Hakeem's leading the team. Indeed. And that was before they got uh, Scotty and uh, Barkley's fat ass. Yeah, 98, I think it was. Actually, 98, 99, 99 season. 99. It was right after yeah. the three-peat. Yep, yep. Uh, 2000. Oh. And this player is a versatile big man. Shaquille. And one of the... No, oh. no. He's not versatile? Power forward. <laughs> uh, Duncan? Nope. Oh, KG? There you go. Kevin Garnett, 56.6. 6. 
This team was uh, twenty eight and sixteen that year. <laughs> Poor KG man. Yeah, like it was tough going through those years with you know being him with him as my favorite player, having to go through those seasons where they're like forty one and forty one every year. Who was who was no the second best teams. player on those teams? Uh, Hudson, Troy Hudson. <sighs> Probably back then before they got Cassell and Spreewell. It might have been him or Wally Zerbiak, I guess. Oh, Wally. The guy Wally's Wally. World. Um, and lastly, the 2019 Boston Celtics. 19. Is that Kyrie? Kyrie Irving, well done. 56%. The team was 20 and 17. Uh, just quickly to round up the top 10 so we can get to the least efficient players. Isaiah Thomas. Uh, for the Boston Celtics in 2017, 30 and 14. De'Aaron Fox this year, oh, yeah. 55%, 22 and 17. Kemba in 2017, 55%, uh, 22 and 28. <laughs> Pretty brutal. <laughs> was that, uh, was that, that was on the Hornets or Bobcats, yes. I guess. Whatever. Yep. Hornets. I remember him being super clutch back then. Too. Oh, yeah. Probably Kemba was nice, man. Oh, yeah. Was and LeBron, again, in 2010, 55%, 33-12. Pretty impressive. Wow. And to round out the top 10, you had Ben Gordon in 2006, a very Ooh. clutch player back in his day. Now he's getting arrested all the time at 54.7%. And Russell Westbrook at 55%, 17-18 for the 2021 Washington Wizards. Oh, I thought you were going to say during the uh, the MVP year. That's even more impressive. Well, he had his most efficient year with Washington, surprisingly. Now, the least efficient high-volume clutch oh, yeah. season since 1997. Oh, yeah. Now we're talking. Just throw out some names and let's see if you get any. Let's give you five guesses. Allen Iverson. Iverson is on the list. He is number 11, 36% uh, true, or sorry, effective field goal percentage for the 2003 Philadelphia 76ers. Their team was 27-20 and 20 despite this somehow. <laughs> Good defense. Uh, give me. Yes, so. Give me Vince. Vince Carter. Yeah, very impressive. You know which team? <laughs> I mean, probably the Raptors. Nope. No, the, the Nets. Nets. Two thousand and six oh. Nets. Oh. So he was thirty-three percent from the field, and yet they were twenty-seven and thirteen. Excellent defensive teams. Indeed. Uh, let me see who else. Dirk, young Dirk. Uh, no. Reaching too much, eh? Uh, how about there Antoine are... Walker? <laughs> there, there's no white players on the list, so you can cross those guys off. Fair enough. How about Antoine Walker? Is he on this list as well? Because that'd be hilarious. Surprisingly, no. Ah. Okay, well, I hate to say it, but Kobe? Yes, Kobe is on the list. He is number 8, 35% in the 2005 season where they went 18 and 21. Yeah, that was that and was now Chuck I'm going to give you... What's that? That was prime Chuck and Kobe. Yes, yes. He took a lot of shots back then. That was 81 point year, wasn't it? I think so, I yes. Think that was. And... He had 108 attempts, which is actually not the highest. The highest was... Actually, Iverson's on the list twice. Of course he's, he is. Uh, <laughs> he's 11 and 14. So there you, there you go. Um, to round out the top five, uh, you had Vince at number four. Oklahoma City Thunder, 2010. KD? No. 2010? Who the hell was on that team? 
This one should be easy. Westbrook? <laughs> yeah, Westbrook, 29%. This team is 20 and 24. 29, I love it. Don't and stop you have us. the 2001 Sacramento Kings, who are actually a really good team. 2000, well, De'Aaron, I'm assuming? 2001. Oh, 2001. Oh, uh, Weber? Yeah, Chris Weber, 29.6%. His team was 23 and 15. This one's going to be tough. Uh, 2008 New York Knicks. He's a guard. 2008. Uh, Steve Francis. Nope. Stefan Marbury. Nope. Your next guess is probably going to be the right one. I can't think of who else was there. I think he's the one player who's had 50 points with like five different teams. Jamal Crawford? Jamal oh. Crawford, 29.7%, 16 and 22 that year. And Love Jamal Crawford. He was name, nice. Name me a player with a better mixtape. Okay, I'm sure there are some players, but like he's top five mixtapes for sure. Oh, for sure. Kyrie's probably number one, but he's probably number three or four. Somewhere yeah. on the list. Uh, to round out the list, let's see if you can get this one. 2002 Houston Rockets. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> uh... Uh, I have no idea. Who was on that team? Mobley? There you go. Katino Mobley, 33%. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't Steve Francis, to be honest. Yeah, no doubt. Francis is not on this list, surprisingly. Actually, no, he is on the list. He's number uh, 15. Oh, more efficient than Allen Iverson, then. Indeed. Sometimes. Barely. <laughs> But uh, the, the two players with the highest field goal attempts were Damon Stoudemire, who's number six on the list at 33.5%, and Bradley Beal in 2018 at 124 attempts as well, 33.9%. What team was Damon Stoudemire on? The Raptors in two, uh, 1997. Oh, wow. That was a young, young Damon. Holy. He was taking a lot of shots back then. Well, who else would have shot on the Raptors during those years? Yeah, like Radojevic. Is that even a real name? Uh, <laughs> 1997? Probably not. <laughs> Think of the expansion Raptors. Who was on that team? Doug Christie? Yeah, yeah, Doug Christie was on that team. I think I think Radojevic is on that team. He was like, actually, no, it was that big Slovenian guy. I can't remember what his name was. Uh, it's going to bother me now. I have no idea who you're talking about, man. Uh, Dino Raja was on that team, maybe? Do you know Raja? Was he? Wasn't he on that team? I don't know. I don't know, man. We Sounds gotta, right. You need to learn more about your expansion Toronto Raptors teams. <laughs> I got to look this up to see who that big guy was. But yeah, I mean, I don't blame him for... I mean, Mark Chauncey Billups was on that team before he got traded. So there yeah, you go. John Tabak. That's the name. John Tabak. Jean Talon? Jean Tabak. <laughs> Jean Talon. <laughs> you like that, eh? It's very nice. Oh, man. I hope Raj hears that and gets the joke. Shouts to Raj for not being here. Yeah, uh, again. Good stuff, man. I like it. I always love uh, talking about old players. So if you talk about players from that like 2002 to 2008 range, I'm in my prime right there. So bring back Excellent. more trivia like well. that. Yeah. You did better than I thought you would. Yo, I knocked that out of the park, bro. I would have killed Raj on this one. I'm looking forward to the next podcast where you and Raj go head-to-head, and the topic is going to be a fun one. Oh.
I can't wait. All right, on that note, I'm going to call it here. I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, all your major podcast platforms. We're on all the socials. I'm talking TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, X, X videos. Is that what we're calling it now? I don't even know nowadays. Surprise is still running. And uh, YouTube shorts. And yeah, I guess we're, we're on threads too. You can find us on threads. We'll be there. And until next time, peace.